Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 74, week 74, volume 74, number fucking 74. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Brent from Greyhaven and that will be coming up later in the show. So let's kick things off like we do every week and that's with a bit of housekeeping. Not a lot of feedback, not a lot of questions. No real ratings and reviews this week, unfortunately. So guys, don't forget, I know it sounds a bit annoying because I say it every week, but it's really, really, really important that you help us out with a rating and a review. Helps us get out to more listeners. You can do it through our Facebook page. You can do it on iTunes. Any way you can help is invaluable. Don't forget to subscribe, don't forget to download the podcast, don't forget to follow or like the podcast. However you listen, however you get into this podcast, help us grow this podcast. The other thing I want to say at the start of this show this week is if you're on Spotify, make sure you're checking out our playlists. Of course, we've got the Mosh Zone guest list, so this is all songs from and featuring our guests up to date. Now, this one's updated every week when a new guest is on the show, and we also update it with latest tracks or new singles from guests that have been on the show. So make sure you're getting into that playlist. We've also got the Mosh Zone Cranked. So this is all the best songs that are currently going around from this year, the latest singles, the hottest things going, you'll find on that playlist. And the other playlist we've got is the Mosh Zone Best of 2K19. So this one is going to be updated as the year goes on and we're putting the best albums of the year into that playlist. When you check out that playlist, if there's an album you really love that isn't on that playlist, make sure you send us an inbox, send us an email, and tell us about an album you want included in that playlist. So that's about all for the Intro feedback, housekeeping for this week, guys. Let's get into the part of the show we're all tuned into for. This week's guest is Brent from Greyhaven. First off, Brent, thank you so, so very fucking much for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Greyhaven are one of those bands that if you've been with this podcast for a while, you remember last year when we used to include album reviews. Their album, Empty Black, was without a doubt one of the best albums released. So to get Brent on the show is a great opportunity to get to know about the man himself, the band, and all the little ins and outs, and some very intriguing conversations are covered. That chat with Brent is coming up now. First thing I've got to say, uh, fresh haircut. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, decided to lose the mop. <laughs> it's good it's gonna make headbanging a little bit different yeah 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 um it's funny because like um our guitar player nick and i both like we we committed pretty hard to the cut at the same time <laughs> and we've got a show this weekend so we'll we'll see we'll get to try it out and see <laughs> You won't see if we made the right decision or not you won't know what to do with yourself because you'll be like oh, oh there's nothing really there yeah, I won't know how a set. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be new to have a set without locks of hair down my throat the entire time. It's gonna be a different experience. You might I'm be a little out, excited about that. You might be able to see things for a bit. Yeah, yeah, 
the the choking on your hair is real. It is yeah. super real. It sucks. It, like once it got into a certain length, man, it was, <laughs> it was like I'd be playing a show and be like, "Is that actually touching my Adam tackle? Like how the <laughs> fuck?" <laughs> um, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. First thing I gotta say is, man, thank thanks for getting back to me, and also, um, thanks for giving me some time. Um, Dude, I'm excited. This is exciting for me, man. You guys are Australia, right? Like, yeah, that's, man. Um, I've that's got fucking sick. I've got my album here. Like, oh my god. Like, lo- that that fucking album, man. Like, seriously, <sighs> fuck. Dude, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that so much. So, I always start off with kind of not necessarily a heavy band, but do you remember a band that? opened your ears to music being a thing like was there an artist that you got into as a kid that you really loved oh yeah like um my parents were both teenagers in the in the early 90s when i was brought in to the the picture and they were entrenched in the sub pop scene so like i got nirvana and sebado and Ooh. sonic use not sub pop but you know like just the, everything that was quote-unquote cool in the 90s like my parents were all about so growing up like that was kind of the soundtrack that i had and uh it's kind of fucking awesome because i i like all that music a lot like it, it holds a special place in my heart and in my ears like there's when i when i hear hallmarks to that when it's done nicely i'm super super stoked on it but um yeah i think that was the big thing my, my dad's always played in bands my mom at one point was in the band that my dad was in, so they, they they've always kind of been uh, music's always been around. But you know, I remember being a, a kid and, and looking at you know videos on MTV when that was remotely relevant at mm. all, and, and being like, "That's," it, I mean, it's a goofy idea, but when you're you know five six years old, that's what you think, and you go, "Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. Like, I want to play music. The only thing that makes sense to me as a five year old is music is." the best thing in the world so i want to do that for forever so i mean yeah that's that's it's it's always it's always been there it's it's always been something i've wanted to to try and make my core no matter how uh broke it made me well it's quite a it's quite a wild it's quite a wild uh musical household then with what's being played because a lot of kids wouldn't usually get that kind of exposure it would maybe be you know clapton or something it's kind of bizarre, like, because some of the, I mean, when you think about childhood, I mean, a lot of those memories feel pretty dreamlike anyway. Mm. Like, I, for, I don't know about for you, but for me, like, that's kind of what it all feels like to be a kid. I mean, everything's new, everything's different, you don't really know what's going on. It, it's kind of it's kind of dreamlike, and the, the soundtrack that I have coupled with some of those moments is, is kind of insane. Like, I remember being, like, a, a small child and being in a gas station late at night i couldn't tell you what time it was but for me i was a kid so it could have been 9 30 for all i know but you know parents go in the gas station go get a pack of smokes or whatever and fucking uh little trouble girl by sonic youth is playing and oh. looking at an empty gas station in the middle of the night like it's kind of those memories they're weird man they're but they're really cool they're really special even if they're super mundane like they're it's it's neat it's neat to have that music coupled with some of those moments it really puts an imprint and a blueprint in your, you know, your psyche and then what happens going forward. Like, it's quite crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... for sure. It's, it's, um, I was, <laughs> you, 
you called me an hour ago. I don't know if this will make the podcast. You called me an hour ago. I was out with Ethan, our drummer. I was in front of a bar hanging out, and you were like, "I'll call you back when you're when you're not so busy." Um, so yes, I've had I've had a beer too. So I might go on a tangent. <laughs> You'll find. You'll find. But yeah, man, like that's exactly it. Like it, it feels like I was around because my mom, my parents liked weird music for real. They liked really weird, dissonant kind of spacey kind of stuff. So um, it's just something that uh, the, the noise around me, I guess, mirrors the noise in my head a bunch. It's just kind of very spacey and dissonant, and it doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. And uh, I feel like I go through those emotions with every experience that I have. Like I feel like it almost takes a point where things are uncomfortable and dissonant, and then they. they are drawn out for a while and you have to analyze it and then once it resolves you're just like oh that whole movement made a lot of sense but it took a minute it took a minute to get there well it, it, music is clearly something that for you since an early child it's part of not only part of your life it's part of you so every every chapter music reflects what yeah. you're going through yeah yeah a hundred percent I mean, it's just been something that has been the most important part of my life almost almost forever. Like, my dad wasn't um, in the picture all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there were there were moments where he wasn't uh, exactly there, and a lot of it I learned was be- because a they were children having kids, so you know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And secondly, he was in the same position that you know I I found myself in and, and trying to play music and, and make something actually you know coherent and something that something could happen out of it i mean he's seen it he's he was a uh, part of the local scene as much as anybody that is in it now was back in the 90s you know like he was doing the thing uh, and he watched cool bands do cool things in town like i mean we had some really sick music in Louisville back in the 90s stuff like that like Slant and Evergreen and King Horse and all those bands like did some cool shit so he was watching that and wanting to do that and that took him away from from being home sometimes and my parents having the troubles that they did it was not really that it wasn't going to affect it that much he was kind of gone anyway mm-hmm. but, but apart from that when I got into music in like a, a, as a preteen that's when me and my dad reconnected and like that was a really core core part of it was was the music that we shared because he would show me stuff and be like oh my god this rules like this is this is awesome this is music that i'd heard growing up and i didn't know what it was and now you're reintroducing me to it because now i'm remembering these songs and like what is this and then there's a whole genre involved louisville local music or um just various grunge-esque bands, I guess, that were around that didn't maybe get so big that I didn't hear about. Like, just little stuff like that. But, like, it was a core part of that relationship, too. Like, music is everything for me. It's just how I, I view and feel and experience just about everything. It's, it's so was awesome. so was he an influence with you growing up wanting to pursue music? Was he a driving force for you to see that... Yeah, you have to make sacrifices, but it is something that you could look into. I didn't really um, learn that side of it until later. It was pretty. Um, it's always been immediate that I, I liked it so much that I wanted to do it, but um, it wasn't really until I talked to my dad as like a teenager 
understanding kind of certain circumstances more where I was like, where he really kind of talked to me like, hey, you, you seem to show an interest in wanting to do this, not just in the garage on weekends, but like, this is all you talk about. This is kind of what you want to do. And if that's true, you realize that you can't fuck off. Mm. Like, it's it's not something you can just like diddle around in. He was like, music is a hobby until, until it starts to not be. And mm-hmm. it's really kind of up to you to make that distinction. And, um, I don't know. I've always just, I've been pretty selfish in a lot of my decisions sometimes. And like one of those big ones is I want to wake up and do what I like to do all day. Mm -hmm. I want to have fun all day and I need to pay rent. So how do I make those two things make sense? (laughs) You know, like it's, that's kind of how I think just like, I, I know I want to fuck off all day. I want to write music all day and I want to hang out with my friends all day. I like making art in various forms and I want to be able to do that all day long and I need a place to live and I want to make it really cool. So how do I afford all of those things without having to do something all day long that I absolutely hate? Because I've done yeah. it. I've done that forever. Everybody has. You know, like it takes you a really long fucking time to get out of being able to do that. So, but my, I guess quest always has been out like I, I don't i don't like doing shit i don't like to do yeah <laughs> why not do that? you know so what was it might be soft so what was it like ideal. what was it like for you during high school then were you kind of in that period of uh oh, i'm just gonna have to get a nine to five because i have to pay the bills or were you just oh, going yeah. oh no nah, not my thing i'm not interested in it i'll just keep looking at ways with music what I've always felt that, like integrally, I've always been in bands. Our um, goal has always been that, like, drunken romanticism with mm. being the touring, you know, rock star, <laughs> like all that goofy shit, right? Like, you know, I've always been friends with people that like enjoyed that stuff too. So even though it's like a really uh, cliche kind of sappy side of music, it's I've always been friends with people that thought that shit was like a little bit cool. Mm-hmm. A little bit fun, even if it was, you know, ri- kind of ridiculous. But um, that was kind of the fun of it all, you know? Like, we were always in bands to try to do something. You know, like, we were trying to write music that we genuinely liked. We really felt really passionately about. And when um, even a handful of people would uh, give it any kind of attention, we were like, this is why this is so fun. Because even if it's five, six people... If it's five, six people, 60 people, or, you know, 120 people or whatever, it's like, I don't know. I feel like if you watch somebody care about something, it makes you care about it. So, yes. You know, with anything. I mean, that's what sells anything is people caring about it. And I guess that's the only thing that um, any of these fans I've ever been in has always had in common is that we did really care about it. But with Greyhaven, it's, it's, we did that and we had already been in bands together. Like we, Greyhaven in its first, uh, its first outfit was, was people from a prior band. We just shedded a member and did some different stuff, but we were, we were so married to what we were doing. And, um, I, I think that's what rubs off on people, you know, like that at least you can like it or not, but you at least can tell that we care about what we're doing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah, I've wrestled with those moments where, like, I mean, I went to college. I got an associate's in English. I was going to try and do the whole teacher thing because it was, you know, 
it was easy and it was um i, I kind of understand literature to a degree like it was something i thought i could do but i've always been drawn to this like stuff that was harder to do music and art and everything like that but i just never really felt like that was a valid thing to pursue uh in school, which I'm learning now is completely ignorant. It was completely wrong. Could have done that the right way. But it came to a point I got my associates. I didn't have to go back to school if I didn't want to. And Greyhaven was getting to a point where we were taking more and more on, not less, thank God. And I, I just told my parents, like, I'm going to do this. It's the only time in my life that it makes sense to do this. I have a job that lets me do this, that pays my bills. So this is fine. All my bases are technically covered and... I'll go back to school if I want to later, but I like 22, like I'm going to, I'm going to fucking try. Uh, and they were supportive completely. So like, luckily I've kind of been able to do whatever I want for the last few years. Well, I mean, you've been, you've been smart. You have to have that plan B. Um, yeah. Because unless you make it to the size of a slayer, um, you need a plan B. Um, anyone, yeah. anyone that I mean, says they bands, don't. Mm. Even bands on like, really solid tiers like you look at uh, a, a guy like jacob bannon and converge converge mm. is not probably as successful as it is it's probably not sustainable on its own he has a record label he has an art business he has a book like i mean he has all kinds of things he's a true visionary on all, all, all fronts but that's probably partly because he really enjoys it and partly because he understands that it will generate something that will sustain his lifestyle that he wants not you know can have but like wants and this this brings him brings him there that kind of stuff is so inspiring like because you're just like there's so much to do in music there's not just the music there's like the visual there's I mean, you could just help bands by talking to them about your experiences and be like, hey, maybe don't do X, Y, and Z. We did that. It didn't work. Like, there's just so many avenues to pursue it. And once that got opened up in my head, like, goddamn, I'm never going back to a nine to five. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> like I, whatever it is that's out there that you can do, like, I'm going to figure out a way to, like, get my hands in the stuff I like, you know, and, and have it be a part of what I do every day. Like, that's what I've always wanted to do. And those things are available, and I'm just now dipping my toes into it. But like the, the the lights are on, like the avenues are there. I just gotta get get there. So working what, on. What was you? What were you like with um, instruments growing up? Did you dabble in any of those, or did you always want to be the focal point? Like, I mean, anyone that denies that it, that it takes something in yourself to want to be up the front is lying to themselves. So, did you? want to be the main man or did you want to be in the background i mean i think there's a part of me that always thought that that would be cool mm-hmm. you know like just being the front man like i think i said before like nirvana's my favorite band that mm-hmm. like dude in the front singing the songs that shit's sick to me um but i always thought i had kind of something to say a little bit you know like i like i like to write i like to sing those things are fun but in uh, most of the bands that I've been in prior to Greyhaven, I did play a, a, like a more back mm-hmm. a back part. I played the guitar um, mostly, a few singing parts here and there uh, in those bands. But like for the most part, I was just part of writing the music, and I was just a fifth or a fourth of that outfit. And that stuff's still just as fun, honestly. I mean, it really is because still collaborating with people you're still making cool stuff and at the end of the day like you all think it's cool that's how Greyhaven is like yes I sing I write the lyrics but like 
Greenhaven is so democratic in how we do things. Like, any person could bring a, a idea to the table and is met with as much respect as anyone else because me and Johnny and Nick all play guitar to a degree. Nick's obviously ridiculous, so he might reinterpret our riffs sometimes to make them better, which is why we bring them to him. But the ideas can come from everywhere. I mean, they can come from a drum beat. They can come from a melody. Um, but I mean, yeah, I've always kind of thought it would be fun to be in the front and be like Mr. Cool Guy, you know, getting to sing the shit. Like, but it was, I just like to, I, I just like to make music. Like, no matter what. If I could play drums, I would be a drummer, but I suck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good at that at all. So what was what was Louisville like in the early bands that you were in? Was it a scene that was thriving, or was it kind of a scene where anyone could have a go um, as long as they had the right drive, if, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had a really uh, a really unique experience. I think when we started dabbling into uh, into music and started going to shows. Um, I met some friends in middle school who were already kind of going to shows and um, knew some local bands, which was something that I was just completely foreign to. I just, if you weren't on the radio, I just, I didn't understand how people knew who you were. I mean, I was like 12, you know, so like I didn't know, but these kids asked if um, I knew how to play guitar because they heard I had a guitar and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I do. I knew like some power chords, but they had just gotten like a bass and drums for uh, for Christmas that year or whatever. But like, anyway, that was when I got introduced to the, the local scene and going to shows all the time. And um, honestly, we had some really amazing venues growing up. There was a, a venue called Bulldogs where um, Bulldog Cafe, where he would let local kids play all the time. Like he was. We book a decently sized band. Like I mean, he gave Icy Stars and India on the Coast and, and like Greeley Estates. Like that whole like early development of those bands. Like they would run through Bulldogs sometimes, but I mean, more often than not, there would be a local band on the bill. Maybe maybe more than one, two or three, and there would be kids, like high school kids, playing playing these shows because that music was just taking off. There was nowhere for them to play. Bulldogs was a place that had shows almost every night, and they needed they needed acts, so they, they booked all kinds of people, and um, honestly, that was great, because you met so many people, you saw so many bands, and so many of those people, I think, interacted, formed new bands as they grew, and saw more. Like, there's just better and better music came out. Like, Louisville's music has been a blessing be around honestly there's a, so many cool bands that are always around and we've had our moments where it's come and gone but for the most part it, it pretty much stays active we're pretty married to keeping music around like um a few years ago when it seemed kind of shot in the foot it was uh, a lot of the high school kids that that made it made it happen you would see like high school kids throwing shows and it'd be high school kid bands playing these shows when they were house shows basements and stuff but people were going cool bands were happening out of it like sick global music is really 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 cool 
Yeah, it seems to, especially nowadays, it seems to be on the map. It seems to, you know, people know people know now about Louisville bands. Um, that blows my mind. Like that's so sick. But that that kind of blows my mind. But at the same time, like when you when you've got a band like Knock Loose breaking out, well, of, yeah, of Louisville, it's it's kind of hard. They they put so much focus on where they're from, which is um, which is pretty cool. Like you know, like being from here and seeing that they continuously. Uh, make a point to talk about it. It's 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 nice, but like it's undeniable. They're fucking massive. They're not even just like yeah. a, a band that did okay out of here. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> they they just they're one of those bands that can't stop blowing up. It's it's crazy. It's yeah. I mean, did you hear the song today? Yeah, and it's uh, what the fuck like. <laughs> and they then uh, the thing that got me was that that they're one of those bands that I think never stop pushing because they just dropped a seven inch and then everyone's like okay cool and now they're like no 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 we're not done it's like and like oh, yeah. like you said it's also really i think it's refreshing to hear a band that has a lot of reference to where they're from they want everyone to know it's important for them to everyone to know that this is where we're from it's not just hey we're I from america enough. yeah i got lucky enough like i've isaac their guitar player was in the first mm. outfit yeah and he was in our band prior, you know, like, so I had known Isaac forever and I had known Brian forever too, because we um, had played shows together in our various high school bands and stuff like that. Like it's, it's really neat. Cause these are people that like, I know, you know, like I haven't been as close to them in the last few years because they've been so busy and we've been kind of busy and just, you know, X amount of things. But like there were a, you know, a good period of time where like, I was never not around some of those guys, you know, like I was never not around Isaac and Brian was around all the time. Taylor was in like my high school band with me for a while. Brian's girlfriend. Like, it, was a, it was our core group. And like watching them, uh, watching them succeed is great, but watching them to, like, to the point where they're at right now is just like, how does this keep happening? This is insane. Like it's not only good, it's insane. Like, pretty cool well it's got to motivate it's got to motivate you in a way as well because you know that's got, like, i don't want to be competitive it's yes. not a competition but at the same time it's like well you were able to pull that off like well that just shows me that those kinds of things are attainable mm-hmm. and like what do we got to do you know it's genuine to ourselves so we never want to not be um doing anything for purely that it's just just to reach somewhere but like they're completely themselves and they're, and they're attaining these things. How can we be completely ourselves and like see that kind of fruit? That's, that's amazing. That's so sick. Like, so I don't know. Like, yeah, it's hundred percent motivating because you know that it's possible. That's yeah. always the thing. If it's possible, I want it. Like hundred percent. Definitely possible. That's a possibility. I want that shit. Definitely possible. Especially when they're from your backyard and their mates. Um, let's, Get into like the start of Greyhaven for a bit. You know, you said you were in bands during high school years and stuff like that. When starting out with Greyhaven, were you taking a lot of the lessons that you'd learnt from previous things? You know, things you did right, things you did wrong, or was it a new thing of like let's just let's just throw everything to the wall and let's give it a go? So, Greyhaven was kind of born out of some frustrations with what was going on with our band prior. 
Um, and there were a lot of various things. This this band was working on a, a full length, which is the first time that we had ever, any of us, had written more than like five songs and decided to call our friend who has a studio and go record them. We were like, no, we're going to take some time and actually write a record. Well, I don't know. It was there were so many ideas. There were so many ideas being thrown around that I mean, I think we were noticing that different people were having different ideas. And then there was just the, some personal stuff. We were kids, literal fucking children. So like some random things happened. We ended up deciding to form this band out of just just four of us. We were like, we kind of feel like we're on the same page, and um, they brought up the idea of me doing vocals, dropping guitar, just doing vocals. And I was kind of hesitant at first, because I love playing guitar so much, but I also realized, like, Isaac's kind of a perfectionist. He's uh, very good. (laughs) And I really like kind of being sloppy in some ways for the the rawness Mm -hmm. of it. Which is fun with vocals, totally fine, because you can kind of get away with that. Guitar, when you have such a tight guitar player, it's not really so, uh, it doesn't really work. So, you know, I accepted that and was like, yeah, Isaac rips, let's let's try this out. So we had to practice our vocalist who uh, we were trying to decide whether we wanted to part ways with or not wasn't at that practice anyway, so we were just like, we're just going to practice and try out some stuff. We had written some songs um, together that he didn't really have anything for anyway, so we were like, well, let's just try these, and then you just do whatever over. And uh, the first song we ended up playing was Workhorse, because we were working on it already. And obviously, the first uh, batch of vocals that I had over that song were not at all close to what ended up on the, on the demo or anything. But like, it was still a fun enough day that we were like, this is really fun. Like, this is actually, like, we're having a blast at practice. And that's been a little bit scarce recently. And um, I think this might be the right decision. So, Greyhaven starts. And we just we just kick off. You know, we kind of have a have a talk, split the, you know, split the band, start the thing, start talking about names. And that, that came way later because we were more so focused on just getting some songs together. And I mean, Colt is uh, Colt is exactly that. Colt is exactly the first ten songs we wrote. Exactly as soon as they were done, as soon as we thought they were remotely done, I think I still had vocals to finish, like lyrics and stuff. But we were like, music's done. We're cool with it. We recorded a demo at Isaac's and then went to the studio, and um, just decided to cut it with our friend Jordan Haynes, who plays in Artifacts, uh, Freo from Louisville. If you haven't heard of them, they're amazing too. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but he's long time for any decided to uh, record our record for us. And that's that's kind of how it starts, you know. But fast forward, Knocked Loose was at the exact same time. Knocked Loose started to get some attention. Isaac left because they were going to be touring a bunch. And he was like, hey, this band should keep going. I'm going to be gone a lot. So I should probably go. And it's like, yeah, respect. Like, go go do it. Like, you're in, you're in two bands you care about. Like, go... One of them's doing some shit. Like, go, go do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, it, and it took a while, but we landed Nick after a few years of, you know, kind of figuring out what we were doing. And the rest is, the, you know, 
we, we had a drummer split at the same time a little bit later too. So we ended up with Nick and Ethan in the same weekend, coincidentally. We had one practice with them both. They nailed all the old songs. And the rest is the rest is history, man. They've just been it's been Grey Haven since those two guys went. We wrote a record, we did some things before them, but like once those two dudes joined, Grey Haven became what what it was supposed to be, man. Those two guys are so fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> you you see live footage, man, and wow, like you know, you just look at Ethan on 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 the drums, he's just like, what? Like, dude, dude, go. It's a powerhouse, man. Like, fuck. But when when yeah. when suddenly you know you lose a guitarist and a drummer, and you guys have you know you've released an album and you're getting some momentum, you're playing some shows. Is there any worry and um, nervousness that uh, maybe maybe this just isn't going to work out? Are you worried that maybe we have to just maybe wrap this up? We'll maybe look at something else. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. There was a, a moment where um, we we had a guitar player um, who's a good friend of mine. I mean, he's he's great, but it's just we were. I was living with him. We were trying him out. We were practicing there. Um, it just wasn't necessarily clicking exactly like we kind of thought it, it, it might. And there was a moment where uh, we had that talk with him about parting ways. He was moving out at the same time, too. So it was like a whole just thing. But I remember um, Johnny and I sitting there and just being like, I guess this is it, man. Like, I, I don't really know what else to do. And we entertained the idea of writing like some soft songs and starting a whole new project and doing this whole other thing. And then I don't know what happened. Like we ended up both going out over the course of a week, I guess, at various times. And like I had run into a buddy who knew Ethan. Funny story about Ethan. Ethan tried out for our band when we lost our drummer like six months prior. And, um, nailed it like played everything great then he told us like oh yeah i lost my job i had to move out of my house my phone's broke and my car's broke down and it just basically was just like oh so you're a ghost after today (laughs) like all right so you know fast forward six months this week that we're talking about like johnny goes out randomly runs into nick because Nick's playing with his other band that he had at the time, Jovian, somewhere. Um, no, not Jovian. Jovian, it was over. He plays in all kinds of fucking bands. But it was, uh, I guess he went and saw him uh, at, play with Old Girl at, uh, at, at Taproom or whatever. Like, you know what I'm talking about. But, like, oh, you remember. But, anyway, they hang out. They're, um, they're talking, and then he's like, hey, we, we need someone to play guitar. I don't know if you'd be interested. He's like, yeah. That same week, I'm hanging out at a show. I think I was actually going to see Knocked Loose up in Indiana, and I ran into a buddy of ours, Scott, and he was like, I'm surprised like Ethan didn't work out. I was like, he did. He was perfect. I just He doesn't have a car or a phone or a job or a house. I don't know what to do. He goes, I think his phone's back on. He texted me the other day. So I texted him right then and there. I was like, are you alive? And he was like, yeah, boy, what's up? <laughs> so then we scheduled a practice for that weekend, like with those two dudes. And, um, it was perfect. It was, it just clicked. 
and uh, it was great. So ever since then, it's just been us for trucking along. I mean, there was definitely moments like that where we thought about stopping because it was like three years. Mm. Like it was like two or three years trying to figure it out. And then once we got Ethan and Nick, it was still like they have to learn all the songs. We have to tour real quick and make sure people don't know. Like people don't think we're dead. Like we are still around. And then we have to write new music. Like we have to. We can't try to piggyback off of the record that's four years old. Like mm. four years old, man. Like we need to do something else. We are so detached from that now. Well, it was so, it, it was but such no one a else that. <laughs> such a chaotic time. And then you throw in that in the process of writing Empty Black, you suddenly had some heart issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like what happened? What happened? How did the information come to you? And then, what was the process like for you going through it? And then, did was band just something you were like, mm, health is more important. I'm just gonna forget about band for a bit. Oh, yeah, no way. I'm just, I um, I wish I had that much confidence in like my well being to give a shit that much. But um, that sounds super dark. I'm joking. But um. No, yeah, the band was the one thing that kept me fucking level for sure. Like, Fuck yeah. I um I had started a job at this warehouse doing bullshit kind of warehouse work, but it was freelance, so I pretty much made my schedule. Like whenever we had shows, I was like, "Yo, I'm off," and they're like, "Fine." Hey, we're on tour for five weeks. They're like, "Cool, whatever." It's fine. So that was perfect. Um, but I didn't have that job more than a few months, and. Uh, I was able to snag some insurance for a while because I wasn't making enough at my old job to have to pay for it, I guess. So I had like some free insurance for a minute and I was definitely still kind of piggy banking on that for for, for a second, you know. Uh, in the U.S. we have to figure out ways to stay healthy, I mm-hmm. guess. But, um, you know, I went to the doctor because I hadn't been in five years because I don't have any kind of insurance or anything prior to this. So I was like, sick, I got insurance for a minute. I go, they check out my heart. Uh, they're like, yo, your heart's fucking weird. I was like, yeah, I know. I've had a heart murmur my entire life. Uh, when I was 18, they told me that it was getting better. I'm 23, but, um, you know, when I was 18, they said it was better. I figured at 23, it would be even better than then. thought I was totally fine. So he was like, I still think you should go to a cardiologist, check it out, whatever, whatever. And in my head, because I'm like super, uh, super negative, I was like, yeah, it's a money grab. They mm. just want me to go see the doctor because they'll get paid for referrals and blah, 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 blah. But I go, of course, just to, just to do it because I know it's going to be fine. Well, a few weeks later, I'm at, I pull into my shitty job on my birthday 23rd birthday and I get a call from a number I don't know and I answer and they're like hey your results came back your heart's fucked up you need a heart surgery I was like what like um like what do you what (laughs) they were like yeah no your valve is like totally fucked um your heart beats all all kinds of wrong just all these all these things and I was like uh, okay, well, I didn't know. I didn't really know what to do, but I had to work an eight-hour shift um, that day just 
in my head for the most part. Just kind of fucking dealing with it. So, uh, long story short, my valve was kind of like giving out and it was like pumping whatever in and it wasn't quite getting there. So it had, it would fall back and they would have to pump twice as hard to like push it back into motion the, the right way. There's there's some big word to it that I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce, but <laughs> same thing. All of this is under the uh, covers that I have under my three insurance, whatever. And my grandma uh, had had the same surgery recently, but she's in her fucking like sixties, which is what this surgery is intended for. Um, so she's like, it's fine. This person's the best. Like I went through this. It's fine. Everything's been good. I do. I go through the whole thing. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't really want to try to put whether or not it was a good or bad thing for me to do. But the entire time, I kind of felt like a number. I kind of felt mm. like an insurance grab. Um, I don't really know. Because I know that several people in my family have the same affliction in their mm. hearts. And they don't have surgeries until they're 60 or 70. Like, mm. 20, 23 years old. So I'm, it's a lot to face. You know, it's because they're asking me if I want a mechanical heart, which puts me on blood thinners, which requires me to be on health insurance at all times, which I have not able been able to uh, sustain at uh, this point. So I'm like, fuck that. Can't do that. And they're like, or you can get this tissue on, which lasts about eh, 10 to 15 years. And I'm like, great. So in 10 to 20 years, I have to have this shit again. Fucking hell. And no one knows when. And I don't have insurance, so I'm not really actively showing up at a doctor to get checked up either. So it's a, it's kind of a fucked up situation. But at the same time, everyone is saying that this is a necessity for me. So I go through with it and I do it. And we, um, <laughs> it's funny now, but like we literally recorded three three demos for the record the the night before my surgery like i needed to get up at like 5 a.m to go to the hospital and at like 11 p.m i'm in my roommate's room in the closet like screaming some bullshit um syllables at uh at his flat bill hats <laughs> like, <laughs> like and we're all just kind of fucking around and it was like really um to be honest man it was really exactly what i needed i needed something completely like normal right before that but like it was the the band was the one thing keeping me 100% level I was just like I'm gonna get through this shit fuck this this sucks but I'm gonna get through it I'm gonna send these damn demos and we were fishing for a label at the time you know like we had management who was like yo I love these songs the demos you're sending are, are, are cool I believe in this and I believe in this band and like pushing it fucking pushing it you know, and then he heard obviously about what was going on with me, and he was just like, "God damn it!" And I remember he texted me. He was like, "Dude," I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Are you gonna die?" I was like, "No." He was like, "Good, we got shit to do." But uh, our manager's—he's Tom from Straight from the Path. So, oh yeah, okay. He's a wonderful person. Mm. Like he—he he, even jokes like that. Like it made me feel so good to be like it was so—it uh, was just a nonchalant joke. He's like, "You're gonna be fine," mm. and I needed to hear that shit. You know, like it was, it was rough for a minute, but thinking about what was ahead was like the biggest, the biggest thing making me like, 
all right, I don't care if this is an insurance grab. I don't care if this is something that's dire and I need to do it. I don't, I, I don't know. So I'm going to have to kind of fall blindly into this. Everyone else seems to know better than me, I guess. And because, I mean, I don't know a lot of things. So that was a fair assumption. But um, I was confident that there was shit to do after it. That was the, the biggest thing because I didn't care about going back to work. Mm. I mean, no. fuck that. Like, and I didn't care about chilling at home in bed. Okay, I'm gonna have to do that for a few weeks. That doesn't sound fun to me. I like doing shit. Like, the everything with the band was like the the biggest thing. I even asked them. I was like, "Hey, I scream a lot in like a, a band. Is that gonna like? Is this gonna like fuck me up? Like, it shouldn't." Like, all right, good. Like, because I will flat out be like, no, like, <laughs> just no, fuck it all. No, I don't care. Well, I conk out in six years on stage. Fuck it, I don't care. Like, I don't, don't take that away from me. God damn it. Like, quite a thing for you to, you know, obviously it's essential that you still had something to break your mind away from all of this shit because as you said you're not sure is this really necessary i don't know i'm not educated on this are they trying to pull the wig over my eyes what's going on but having that creative outlet is not only a way for you to vent but also for you to break the darkness so you can look outside of it and focus your energy on something else yeah i mean it gave me a lot to talk about well you can hear it on that album man on on empty black Fuck, man, you unleash. There, there is, there's. Thank you. Lyrically, man, you can hear self doubt, fears of yourself, fears of health, and you can hear about anxiety and depression. You can hear about society issues. It's a real boiling point of a lot of emotion. Um, you had to feel fucking amazing once you got all that down or, or was it still, once you had it down, you still felt like there was still more you could have done. Honestly, um, the beautiful thing about, and thank you for saying all of those things. Oh, I mean it, brother. I, I, I can't get over that album and it's just, Oh, that, that means so much. Like it, I, um, I, I feel like I, uh, Sometimes I, I, I word things and I think that they're kind of like funny hmm. to me, like an inside joke to me. And I'll, I'll write it down because it's like, well, it's a clever kind of combination of words. Uh, but I never understand, like, I never really guess whether people will uh, will get it or not. And not that it's that abstract. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm so odd. Like, definitely not. But at the same time, it is, it is really, really special when people really kind of give you back exactly what you were trying to, to get across. So, I mean, thank you for that because that, all of that's all, 100%, all of that's there. You know, I was, and I, I, I write pretty sporadically, pretty, pretty hastily. So, I, I don't even really get a chance to, to look through the words and figure out what I'm trying to say before it's out sometimes. But that was, Kind of what was awesome about Will is I would write all these things in haste and, and combine all of these different things. And then Will would be like, I love it all, but you're not connecting A to B here. Or you're not connecting like this point to this point here. Or you shift perspectives here. And I don't know if you should. And it's like it forced.
forces you to kind of reevaluate what it is you're really trying to say. You know, like, it really makes you connect all of the phrases together. You know, he doesn't tell you what to say, but he's just like, maybe think about this. And that was such a special moment up there um, in the studio. So to answer your question, like, they were there were a lot of words written. There were a lot of things put down somewhere where you know you could call it saving it there and having it down and, and calling it done. Even if you thought you wrote these uh, special six or seven lines and you feel so good about yourself about these six or seven lines and, and now those emotions live there, well, until until someone tells you to go back over it. Mm those things become re reunpacked and you really have to like think about like the real message of it all so that was really therapeutic actually in the studio so um prior to the studio no uh, it was 100 percent all still still completely there and vulnerable and unlooked at and un, un, uh, unanalyzed and all, all of those things after the studio once we got that first mix back and i was able to like listen and look through my words and, and pay attention to what we just did. All of those things live there. They, they don't really follow me too much anymore, which is super nice. But mm. at the same time, it's like, yeah, I really felt like I kind of got that out. Like, I really feel like I kind of let that live somewhere that doesn't have to be on my shoulders anymore. Like, and, and that's one of the things I love about music, man. Like, because you really can, you really can take something off and, and put it somewhere and let it just be, just be there. Well, that, that's the thing about the, the album for me. What drew me in is the the rawness of what's being given to you in your ears when you're listening it not just in the music and the mix and the production, but is in what you're saying and the way you're screaming it. You can hear that emotion and passion is real it's authentic you're going through it and you're projecting it and i can totally understand what it must have been like after you had it done you're like oh thank fuck you know just that's done yeah seriously like and it's funny because like it it being done and it being something i can walk away from has changed my perspective on, on a lot of different things there was a few songs that didn't even make the record that we had. And there was a batch of lyrics and shit like that that I had. And all these things that um, I really, really enjoyed. But when we talk about revisiting some of those, I'm like, oh, man, I'm just not there anymore. Mm. Like, if we if we, um, if we we revisit this, the music's great. But I might have to take a completely different approach. Um, at least lyrically. Because I'm not there anymore. And I don't want to, I don't want to go back because it's not fun there and like i just i pretty much got all of those things out with this batch of stuff that we released so you know some of these things that we might revisit it's like i don't really know if i want to try and have to dig deep into where i was when those things got written to recreate it i don't think that'll be genuine for me now you know like and I'm all I'm all about like when you write something and it gets and it gets documented, it needs to be documented in its most genuine form. So revisiting any of those things would be like 
disingenuous, I feel like. Well, it's a, not musically, because the music's sick. There's some really cool stuff that we could probably go back to. But, like, what I was doing, what I was saying, I can't. Well, I think it's also important. It's it's important because clearly you're someone who, as an artist, you need everything to be a snapshot of that time. So, you know, the next release will be a snapshot snapshot of that time, not a repeat yes. of going back to what you've already snapshotted, if that makes sense. 100%. And, like, Empty Black, in a way, kind of was that because there was so much time spent on it and so much time spent um, focusing on it. Some of those songs are a lot older than the record. You know, I mean, some of those songs are like three, four years old and they're on that record. And no one knows and no one, I hope, can tell the difference between newer songs and older songs. But at the same time, there's a song on that record that was like the second song we ever wrote as as a group of people with us for. And the fact that it lasted that long is insane. It's so sick. But that proves it's worth, I guess. But at the same time, some of the stuff we're talking about, like, well, that was also written during the same batch of time as Empty Black. Empty Black's already been out a year. And some of those songs on Empty Black are four years old. So you're talking about some ideas that are like six years old. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I'm completely into like dude we are in such a unique spot we're in such a different spot all of us have grown so much like why would we not just completely embrace the newest things that we we could be doing which is what we're doing and it's it's really really exciting i i will say like we've we have been writing a lot i know we haven't been touring but like that's why i mean johnny went on a on tour with norma jean for a month which was super sick for him It it was awesome but, like, we knew that prior to that and after that, like, we didn't really have anything booked. So we were just like, we're just going to focus on writing new music. We know that a new record will be uh, offered up to us sometime soon. Like, we're going to be in the studio. We, ha- we have that information. I can't give all that to you just now. Hmm. But <laughs> it's coming for sure. So that's exciting. Yeah. We've, been writing, we've been writing so much. And, like... This, this time, we don't have a four-year gap, and this time, we don't have, um, I'm not really nitpicking on all the five-second transitions this time, because we know the studio is such a creative space that things might move, so we're just, like, trying to get really, uh, really nice ideas kind of outlined and flesh them out as much as we can before the time hits to, to go try and track it, but it's pressure is a little bit different this time it's like yeah it, it would way be way more fun yeah it would be a lot different and, and obviously is part of your thought thought process of coming back with new music sooner rather than later part of kind of the, the current climate with the industry where you have to you know you mentioned it earlier you have to stay in people's memories you have to make sure they know about you because if you're not touring a lot you need to give them content a lot yeah there's um, there's a lot of things I think we wrestle with there because we did experience that four-year gap between records, so we really did feel the effects of being um, absent. But at the same time, I think people that like your band um, will pay attention 
mm-hmm. even if they haven't heard from you in a while. Like those bands that uh, I really enjoy and I don't even follow them, but I might start seeing people retweeting stuff about their like new record or new single or whatever. And then I'm instantly just back in exactly where I was, wherever I left off. And I will engage accordingly the entire time stuff's happening. Um, and it might even reignite me on, a, on another level if the stuff is ext- extraordinarily good. Like then I'm like, well, hell yeah, but um, this time it's like, I mean, it makes me a little uh, frustrated. It's not a good enough word because I understand um, our position, but I love touring so much. It's it is really really fun. So it's um, a little bit of a bummer to be home for this amount of time, but we've known that we would be. We have other things planned, but they're all in the second part of the year. So it's like, we just kind of have to ride this out. There were a few things that we had that just didn't quite come into fruition. And we don't, you know, there's some, there are some resources that we haven't just like quite gotten to yet. We don't really have a booking agent. So we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants on tour sometimes. So that, that's kind of what comes with the territory. There's some stuff that was around that it wasn't. So we are our uh, first part of the year kind of opened up but we looked at it as we know we have to record a second record let's write Mm. some of us are kind of homebodies you know some of us kind of enjoy being home so it wasn't necessarily a bad thing um three of us me and nick and ethan all work together at the same job for ethan's stepdad so i mean we have fun at work it's not really um work's not the worst thing in the world anymore like, it's, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, staying home and working and hanging out and writing music is, is not a bad thing at all. Um, and that's just what we've been doing. And um, Well, it, it, it also shows, you know, something that I think anyone that's dabbled in arts or really has an appreciation for art knows that sometimes you can't rush it and taking that time off to create it shows that you want the best out of it. You know, anyone can smash out a quick few songs, but the quality might be there. So you're taking the time to craft it and taking time to craft it means, you know, not doing so many shows for a period, but there is a reason behind it. So, you know, you do. I still see you guys are popping up. You do shows here and there. You're, there's still shows going on, so you're still keeping in everyone's attention. We just, um, I don't know. I think there's something with us where we're just like we have to be as even, even to a fault almost. I guess like we're just um, we want to come across as genuine as possible. And mm. when we're home and not really doing a whole lot. And we can't show you the new music that we're writing because we're trying to craft it. You know, we don't want to give it away. Like, then we're not really trying to share a lot of fluff content. You know, like mm. um, I, I had some anxieties about this. To be honest, I even called our manager Tom and was like, I mean, as a friend, I was like, "Yo, we're like sitting at home, which is fine. We're writing a bunch of stuff like this, but like, should we be trying to like?" I don't know how we engage when we don't have much to offer. He was like, mm-hmm. well, listen to me. Fishing for content comes off as fishing for content. When you have something to share that will demand attention, it will. that's what it will do. And like, so 
I took that to heart. I was like, dude, I will leave this anxiety at the door. I will chill at home. We will write. And then we have something to give you, which we, we do soon. Just not yet. Like, mm. it'll it'll be worth it. Like, we, um, that, that's just what we like. We, we, I don't know. We, we watch so many bands, you know. We love so many bands. We see how so many bands promote their stuff and do their things. And we always tend to fall on. Um, really getting excited about the people that really don't make such a fuss yes. about stuff, you know? And they just kind of let it happen, and then you're just like, oh my god! Like, they just did, like, they just decided to put that out there out of nowhere. Like, we really, really enjoy those kind of things. So, we can't operate like that. We're not quite as cool as Radiohead or anything like that. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but we would like to be if we could. Well, it's, it's I think, what Tom obviously gave you was, I think, fuck that. That is probably perfectly said. It's um, be organic, and I think that's something that a lot of bands could probably learn about is being organic and being authentic. Which you guys, anyone that really pays attention to the music, you can hear it through the music. So I think anyone that follows the band would understand that that that's why you're quiet at the moment, and you're not just gonna fish out for attention because it's not worth it you're not that kind of band you're you're gritty you're real and passionate um and i think you should always tip your hat to that always tip your hat to that um um one or two last things before we look to wrap things up and one i wanted to ask for someone that's very creative like yourself you know you kind of are in every aspect of arts in many way but from a musical side of things are you excited with how the industry is nowadays with how the power is pretty much in your hands to not only make the music, but get the music out there and that you don't need to rely on labels and management necessary that you can do everything pretty much yourself if you choose to. I, um, I think it's exciting on, on both fronts. To be honest, I think that the DIY community is so huge and endearing and so powerful in some places. In some places, not so much. But like when it's chosen to be a focus, which it is in some places, Louisville, luckily, is, is one of those places. There's a lot of really cool DIY stuff that happens here. Um, then, I mean, you, you really can make just about anything that you really want to happen happen on a DIY scale if you know the right people and you know how to, uh, how to present yourself. And, I mean, if the thing that you're producing uh commands it you know like then it will it will work but it is really hard Mm. it is really really hard you know we have been diy pretty much since the beginning you know like even with cult like we had a guy who had a local label that we were friends with so we were part of his group but we paid for everything up front he just knew who to get us to you know, like we we always like paid him to get us the thing that we needed because he knew the people that we didn't know, but we were still doing it ourselves. You know, and then the few things that we knew that we wanted that he could front, we would pay him back after like the show that we had those things at. You know, like we would make it and immediately. That was the focus. So we tried to be as, as do it yourself as possible, uh, and obviously with the member changes and stuff like that, we were forced to to completely stay like that. You know, it was just kind of always, we had a a, a sort of booking agent for a little bit. He didn't 
really do too much for us. He got us like two tours, but through those, Johnny had already gathered all the contact information from all of those people anyway because he needed to contact them because our booking agent really wasn't doing a good job of it. And through that, Johnny was like, I'm just going to start booking our tours. So everything that we did up until we started booking things through Tom and the label and getting offered to, to like join a tour was we've always booked ourselves. You know, like, so there's a lot of good that can happen there. But I think I am excited about how some labels are opening up to the idea that that's the norm for a lot of bands because they know they won't get signed or they don't expect to get signed. So they jump into the DIY scene and the DIY scene is super supportive. So they genuinely, if you're a good band and you know what you're doing and you're just good people, like they will carry you, you know, like you will do well if you know what you're doing. You don't really need a label if you are, are doing a, a bunch the right way, but a label opens you up to an entirely different world of mm. access that you just can't, really gather very easily on your own you know the distribution alone is insane the respect of the name is something that you can't deny like when pure noise or equal vision or you know sumerian or any of those there's there's connotations that i mean there's there's feelings connected with those names even you know i know people that like tooth and nail bands you ask them to name a few and they go oh well but they like tooth and nail bands it's like, I guess they collect tooth and nail samplers mm-hmm. and don't look at the band. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, those things do help, you know? And mm-hmm. then, I mean, the the other things that they provide, like the media, like getting to talk, have interviews. People don't really want to interview DIY bands. There's nothing, quote unquote, cool and trendy about that. They don't, they don't do that. They should. They don't. Um, just little stuff like that, though. It definitely helps. Like, we can't afford to press vinyl. We've got like two or three... I think four different colorways of it in black. Like, that's fucking nuts. We couldn't afford to do that. Like, those things are great. Equal Vision lets us really put our band in our own hands and really kind of lets us do whatever we want. And they understand that we're making something because we want to. And they have opinions, but they're usually for, you know, for the best. And if we meet them with, like, maybe not, they're like, cool, we're off it. Like, it's it's nice. It's really really nice. It's not like we're like being told we have to do all these things or they won't work with us. Like they're excited to work with us and we're excited to work with them. I mean, they've worked with so many amazing bands that we all grew up with that like I really can't think of a better label to work with. Like it's, it's yeah. just the shit. Great it's really label. really awesome. Very, very Every influential. Every person we're working with is incredible. They, they are, they are one of those labels that anyone that grew up, kind of getting into this kind of music, knows about that label. So, yeah. to link up to them would just be phenomenal, and it's probably, Dude, probably part of what. Yes. The sound of animals fighting. Mm-hmm. Circa survive. Like, are you kidding me? It's great. Like, say anything. Jesus Christ, like, so good. And it's probably so also good. part of what got Empty Black so much attention was, like you said, it was in the right hands and the right people putting it forward. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they knew how to treat us, which was phenomenal. It was 
was honestly just so surprised at some of the things they could do for us. And it was, I don't know, they, they rule, 100%, they rule. Now, kind of one kind of last question, um, and it's probably the most personal one I'll probably ask or will ask. Um, I find it very uplifting um, and I connect heavily with someone like yourself who expresses that they do deal with troubles. Um, You're open and you've even mentioned it a couple of times along the way. Um, I think that shows the kind of character you are and the kind of person you are and I think that shows so much, you know, unbound qualities um how do you personally because i've had a few people ask me to ask some guests if they do struggle but how do you deal with your troubles um that can inflict on your well-being and your life is it all down to music is that what gives you your outlet is it about being creative is it about learning tricks along the way of how to recharge and you know reassess what's going on what does that all kind of make sense? The question. Yeah. No. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense because I, uh, I I feel like I end up asking myself that all the time. Like, mm. what what do you uh, what do you need to do to not um, fall in these same these same potholes all the time? Because um, inevitably. You, you do. You, you do kind of travel the same road and you hit the same potholes over and over and over and you, you kind of wonder why. You know they're there. You're on the same road. You know they're there. Mm. You can move left, move right, but you don't. You just, you go, hit it, you go, God damn it, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> mm. um, I, I think people struggle with that a lot, but I think it's when you realize that it's not that hard to, to move, move the wheel. It's really, it's just as easy as that sometimes. It, it literally is just as easy as just hitting hitting a little more left or hitting a little more right to, to, to not snag that hole. Um, but you got to learn that. I mean, I don't think you learn that hitting it once. And uh, I, I, I feel like in, uh, in, in my life, I've, I've hit quite a few of the same ones over and over again and I don't know it just took me a really long time to realize that that's what was going on you know to frame it that way to uh, see it that way and to really recognize that 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 movement really is your choice it's not predestined you don't have to it's not a loop you're on you know like it's it's not something that you're destined to experience over and over and over and over again, you are in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. It is not a self-automating car. Mm. You can move it. Um, I think that's um, maybe the biggest thing to to recognize in helping yourself. But it's really hard to notice. You know, there's some things I don't think you even really realize that you're doing, or maybe even. Maybe even potholes that are a little too small for you to say are a problem just yet. But I don't know. No, I think I think that's. I've, I've definitely not. Um, I've definitely not dealt with them the best way in the past, always. But 
I think that's part of the learning, you know. I think you realize when something doesn't work, it's time for a change. And that's the biggest thing. I, I genuinely think that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, recognize your mistakes. Um, if you're unhappy, find out why. And look at yourself. It's really fucking hard. It's really, really hard to look at yourself. It's really, really, really difficult to be accountable. I, I think a lot of people might say that they are and feel like they are, but like if you keep running into the same problems, it's probably more so yourself than, than the world. The world doesn't really have an agenda, but you do have a habit. <laughs> yeah. Whether you recognize it or not. Well, I think I think everything you said there is is really well said and especially about learning it's as you go along you know the first time you hit that pothole you might eventually learn how to avoid that one but then a next one might come up that's a bit similar um but you don't recognize that it is um so you'll hit that one unfortunately but yeah it it is also about accepting that it's not easy it's no one said it was going to be so you're going to learn you're going to learn and have to be easy and no. like the thing that's um so the, the, i guess the reason i like the road analogy so much too is like it's you're never gonna get anywhere mm. the, you, you should never park you know like you're not you're not gonna get to a place that suddenly things are are happy and, and great that doesn't um it doesn't really happen if that happened life would be super boring some yeah. people would get there and be blissful forever and some people would never and you'd be frustrated but like eventually you would get even used just used to the to the ultimate good I guess but like it's all about trying it's all about trying to correct and like once you enjoy that I think things get better you know like I've I've had a lot of shit I don't want to get into it but like I've had a lot of uh a lot of shit go down in the last two weeks. My life is uh, absolutely done a, a 180, a thousand percent in the last two weeks. And honestly, a lot of that is because I recognized a lot of patterns that um, were in my behavior that weren't really beneficial to me. And uh, it, sometimes it takes a long time to, to realize that, you know. But one, once you do, like... It's kind of incredible what can happen. These these last two weeks have been um, interesting, but they are all in the spirit of growth, um, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, the, so I mean, I don't know. It's kind of interesting you ask me that right now because that's exactly uh, what I'm working through. Yeah, right it was. Now. I'm really I'm really looking out for potholes right now. I, mean, I don't need any of those. I'm no. trying to stay out of those. I I, I look at just. It was obviously a line that I was supposed to ask you that question because, you know, I'm someone as well, you know, I've had some big ones along the past in, you know, previous years. And I get, I think sometimes if I get complacent, I, I think the road's fine. And then I don't know what happens. And then suddenly I've got a week of in the hole. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, I think also anyone listening needs to remember that uh, talking about it like we just have briefly there is part of what I think is also helpful. I think yes. um, talking about yes. to anyone, whether it's not directly about it, but just talking to someone in any way is helpful. Listening to music, getting creative, get a pen out, get some paper out, just do something, draw, yeah. write. Um, and I think, I think people should be um, more um, excited mm. to, to be vulnerable 
it's hard. Um, I'm not saying I'm good at it at all. Uh, I struggle with it quite a bit. But um, there, are, there are some moments where your vulnerability will, um, will present you with something good. And it, it's also in the darkness where you find yourself. You find out the true characteristics of yourself. You can find the yeah. glory there. Um, that thank you for just talking about that, Brent. Really got to appreciate that. Um, I, this was great, man. This was wonderful. Thank now, you so much for talking. What I do before we wrap things up um, is I do a segment called Pick Your Poison. So we're just going to lighten the mood a bit. Something a bit silly, a bit fun. Uh, yeah, we've been pretty deep in the trenches for like a minute. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I'm, I'm appreciative that you came to the trenches with me. I wasn't sure if you were going to come with me, but you came, and I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always willing, man. I'm always down. So what we do here is it's called Pick Your Poison. Now, I give you two options, and you pick your favorite of the two. So look at it that whatever okay. you pick is what you would live with for the rest of your life. And it's there's some silly ones, okay. there's some easy ones, some hard ones. Um, would you rather go a pizza or a burger? Oh. Damn. I think I'm going to go pizza because there's so much you can do with pizza. Yes. Been to New York. I've seen quite a lot of pizzas. I'm down with that. Okay. I can get a burger pizza if I want. Oh, yeah, that's true. New York. Yeah. Oh. I can feel that craving there. Um, Let's do that. Let's do pizza. Would you rather go Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Is that like takeout food? Yeah. Oh, man. See, I'm more comfortable with Chinese because that's what's always been around. But Indian food is something I'm new to, and it is so good. Mm. It's... Mm. I'm going to go with the new one. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to say, yeah, switch it up. All right, nice. Um, I love curry. It's so good. Would you prefer a beer or a whiskey? Beer. I get too loose on whiskey, too quick. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, way too loose. I need to, I need to chill out. Just... Would you prefer to cook at home? Or dine out? Um, uh, the money-saving side of me says I could cook at home, and I can cook okay. I'm not great. Um, but the part of me that is the reason I'm always broke is I love trying new restaurants. <laughs> so I'm going to probably go with dine out, especially if it's someplace I haven't heard of. I'm, I'm in it. I will Drop my last $10 to do it. <laughs> um, would you prefer to watch a movie at the cinemas or on the couch at home? It depends on the movie, really. Because if it's like a movie that I'm trying to show someone that's like fantastic, then I want to be home because I want to like judge them intensely if they get on their phone at any point in time because <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. hey, watch this movie with me. And I'm like, just experience all two hours of this because you should. It's great. Cinemas, um, if they're super epic movies, then they're just, there's nothing better than being in the theater with a bunch of people losing their mind at the same time with surround sound. That's a hard one. I, I genuinely watch movies at home. So we'll, we'll go with that, I guess. Um, beach or snow? Snow or what? Or beach. Beach. Ooh, beach every time. Um, I love the snow. I think it's like the most beautiful uh, landscape that there is. But 
uh, I would be lying if I said I was like totally stoked on chilling in it all day. Like, <laughs> definitely not. It's it's really cold. <laughs> Very few people but ever say snow. Like, mm. I love the beach. I, I genuinely love sitting. I, I mean, I hate that the beach is the place that everybody goes to because there's, there's so many people yeah. there. But when you uh, when you can chill on a beach at like six a.m. and there's no one around, it's it, it's, I, love, I find I it so it. peaceful. Um, cat or dog? Oh, man, that's hard. I've had both my whole life. I think I'm more partial to a dog. Nice. Like, I love cats a lot, but, like, I mean, your dog can be, like, your home. Hmm. Your cat's, like, your second pillow if, you, if they like you, sort of. Like, but your dog... Your dog will be like your homie. It'll hang out with you. It'll look at you. It'll kind of sort of do that like tongue thing where it laughs at your jokes. It's good. <laughs> um, all right. Terminator or Predator? I've only seen the Predators, so I have to go with the Predator. Okay. I didn't uh, see the Terminators. I went. The, I did the Terminator ride. Oh. Universal. Okay. It was cool. It was um, intense. South Park. You up in that ride. South Park or Simpsons? South Park or Simpsons? I was a South Park kid. Yeah. I liked Simpsons a lot. A lot. It's really funny. Especially early Simpsons. It's incredible. But early South Park, like all the way to like season four or five, it's it's the worst show on television. I love it. It's so it's so good. It's so good. I, just, I didn't have cable for like a year and I only had like 10 DVDs, but one of them was like the season one box set. So I had ooh. all season one bark. I watched it a lot. Um, so good. All right. Couple left. Would you rather Slayer or Pantera? Ah, damn it. Damn. Well, fucking Phil just started to act like a total douche mm-hmm. with the freaking Nazi shit. So I, I just mm, can't really get, get too down with that. And I wasn't always, I wasn't always jamming Pantera. My, I had like two or three Slayer CDs growing up that I really dug. And I feel like they're a little bit nicer. Yeah, yeah. I could be totally wrong about that. I don't know anything about any of those human beings <laughs> at all. But hey, that was a good answer know, though. That was a good answer. You know, um, the 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 Phil shit sucks. Sorry, yeah, Phil. It, uh, that sucks. It does. Now this one I think will be the hardest one for you, uh, Dillinger or Converge. Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went there. I went there. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. You really did. That's so hard. That's so hard. I um. Fuck. Those are like literally my two like just top tier. I don't understand how you are that band. They're Pants. phenomenal. Mm. Let's do it from a live. I'm only, I'm only doing this. I'm only saying this because. Because I haven't seen them, so I can't check off the the live the live show factor, and that's so crucial for me. I will fix this. God damn it, <laughs> I will fix it. But um, yeah, I haven't seen Converge, so I haven't <sighs> marked that I marked that off yet. I gotta go Dillinger. When I saw them, it was it was life changing. It was so insane. It was you the best thing you gotta get. World. 
as a diehard Converge fan that you are, you've got to get your ass to a show. They were they were here just recently. and They just do, they fucking, they do like West Coast three days. It's California, California, California. And then they do East Coast and it's New York, New York, somewhere else. Not near you. <laughs> like Chicago or something. Like, God damn. It's like eight hour, eight, nine hour drives minimum. Well, yeah. The next tour that you guys organise, wait till Converge announces one, and then you organise a show right near one of theirs, so you can just jump across and go and watch them. Right, exactly. Mm. I did get to see Where Your Wounds, uh, Jacob's Ooh, other project. Nice. I got to see that in Louisville. They uh, they played a, a bar in Louisville. I got to just go ten minutes from my house and hang out and and uh, watch that and talk to them for a second. That was really great. It's super fucking sick. Oh, just, oof. but, but both of those bands, both of those, both of those bands are just, oh yeah. Um, okay. All right. Last couple. Would you prefer stage dives or mic grabs when you're playing? I always get nervous that, um, if I don't get the mic back quick enough that I'm going to forget <laughs> the entire rest of the song. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to be stingy when i don't give the mic out ever but like i'm on like somebody presses play and i just go so when people take the mic from me it's like a weird pause (laughs) in my like thing that i'm doing and i'm just like gotta remember where i am gotta remember where the song is please don't break the mic please don't lick it like (laughs) all of those things so i get a little uh i get a little deterred but i fucking love stage dives i like doing them I, i love when people catch me it's it's the most fun thing ever and when other people do it it's the coolest shit in the world like please if you're hearing this and you don't know this already stage dives are not only welcome but completely encouraged please do it yes um forever always forever (laughs) zero 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 to 30 point whatever when we stop (laughs) do it um would you prefer to watch a show from the mosh pit or up the back I like being kind of in the back. I like being able to hear all of the sounds and getting to watch everything. On this, because like I feel like depending on the band. I mean, when I saw Dylan Joe, I was like fucking there, like oh my god, it was sick. But usually, I like to see because I want to be able to talk about it, and I want to usually usually talk about how the band like actually played because that's important to me. I like that stuff. I like when bands do really cool stuff. I recently saw Birds in Row, and uh, there was nobody there, really. It was like 20 people. It was really intimate. Um, so I was front row, and I got to just sit there and, and watch. But, like, that was the beauty of it. Whether it was the back of the room or the front of the room, like, just getting to just sit there and watch them play was so fucking cool because afterwards I was able to just, like, talk about it for days and days and days. I don't even want to give anything away. I don't know if there's any surprises in their set, but like they just, they did so many things where I was like, that is the most punk thing I've ever seen someone do. That's so fucking cool. Like, I don't know. Dude, 1586, they didn't even play the whole thing. They played one verse, one chorus, and then busted into a new song. I said, fuck you guys. That's the only song you guys know. It's the only song you guys can sing. We're only going to play a quarter of it. It's so sick. Badass. Oh, all right. Last, last, last one, Brent. All right. This is a triple one as well. So we're going to 
mix things up here. Would you rather own an album on CD, vinyl, or streamed? Oh, vinyl all the way. Yes. Good answer. Vinyl all the way. It's um, it's just, it's. I don't know, depending on what you have, it's not the superior uh, medium, depending mm. on what you're, what you're working with. I, I have a pretty okay setup, um, so I, I like it. My speakers are really great, but they work the best when I plug an aux cord in, because they both work. So, mm. yeah, streaming rules for, for that. But, man, I just appreciate artwork so much and i think the even the colorway of the record is is just an essential part of the artwork as everything else so yes you get 12 a 12 by 12 inch square of someone's artwork which is already cool then you get this limited piece of um physical medium that plays this music that also happens to be some fucked up color maybe um which is great and then, like, you don't really get to pick and choose and skip around with, with mm. vinyl. You need to put it on and sit around and enjoy it, at least one side of it, um, or not. Like, you, you can't really skip skip songs too well. I mean, you can, but, then, I mean, what's the fun in that? Just stream mm. it if you put together a playlist. It's, but, yeah, no, vinyl, vinyl all the way. I, I, I love it. Love it so, so much. Um, Brent, dude, what a killer chat, man. Oh, thanks. This is great, man. This was super great. Oh, really, really appreciate it, man. And um, thank you for going deep with me in many ways. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. That's where I like to be. I absolutely appreciate you taking the time out, man, and really appreciate you and the band and everything you're doing. And um, Thank you so much, man.
So that was my chat with Brent from Greyhaven, and at the end there, you heard the band's track Morality Rate, and you also heard Echo and Dust Part 1. Both of those tracks feature on the band's album Empty Black. Make sure you check out that album. Got to take this moment to say thank you so much, Brent, again, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Now, guys, I also, at this time, remind you and ignite the fire in you to get into the band that's just been featured on the show. So, Greyhaven, if you haven't heard that album, Empty Black, and you like those two songs you heard at the end there, get online, get on eBay, get that fucking album also don't forget to support the band you know if they're touring locally for you get down to a show if you've got a bit of money and you can buy a t-shirt or a hoodie support brent and the band your support is invaluable to hard-working bands like greyhaven thank you again brent look forward to new music and look forward to you possibly getting down to australia soon so that's it That's the Mosh Zone episode 74, done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that We need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.